on high. Is that a blessing? Does it comfort you? Y'all ain't, I mean, you're not saying amen. Okay. Thank you, Amos. Thank you, Amos. And if you don't like the sermon, you can email Amos um, later today <laughs> at, at amos at innerthevillage.net. If you have your Bible, please open it to Colossians chapter um, 3. We're going to be looking at the first four verses. I did have a goal to get through 12 verses, but uh, it didn't work out that way. So we're going to be looking at the first four verses today. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Every, every believer is in union with Jesus Christ. Every single believer in the world. It doesn't matter your race. doesn't matter your, your culture, your economic status, your denomination, or your gender. Every single believer, if you have saving faith in Christ, then you are in union with him. And in this union, there is no discrimination in this union. There are no haves and have-nots. There are no favoritism. There is no us versus them. There is no caste system. There are not different levels to the union. All Christians are equally in union with Jesus. And all Christians have this union to the fullest degree. The union cup overfloweth. And this overflowing union cup is what the Apostle Paul has been explaining to the Colossians in chapter 2. He's been telling them all the wonderful benefits that they have because they are believers. He wants them to Uber the union, not call Uber the, the, the driving service. It's an acronym for understand, believe, execute, remember. They must understand this union in their minds. They must believe it in their hearts. They must execute it in their life. And they must remember it when they forget it. Because we all forget the truths of God. The same is true for each of you. For every believer. We need to be Ubering the union in Christ. Understand. Believe. Execute. Remember. And that's what we're going to continue to do today. By looking at Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 4. And Paul's main point to these believers is that when they understand and believe their union with Christ, they will execute it. They will put it into practice. And in this text, executing the union in Christ means they will have a heavenly mindset. It means they will have a heavenly mindset. So when they understand the union and believe it, they will execute it by having a heavenly mindset. Here's God's word. Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is God's word. Please pray with and for me. Father, no one is really worthy to preach your word to your people. The preacher is no super saint. He's no super apostle. He's no super Christian. He is just a man in need of grace and mercy like every other believer. And without your spirit, preaching has no power. So, Holy Spirit, if you don't move today, 
No hearts would be changed. No one would be encouraged. Lost people would not be saved. Comfort would not be given if you don't move today. If you don't move today, Holy Spirit, we're just going to leave here and go on and about our day and, and not give thought to, to who you are and who Christ is in our life. If you don't move, Holy Spirit, none of this matters. We need you, our counselor, the one who lives in us. We need you, the third person of the Trinity. We need you to descend and, and move and change and encourage us today in a way that brings glory to our Lord and Savior. So, Holy Spirit, I pray that you move. And I pray that the Father will smile down upon us today based upon what is happening in this place. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Believers must understand and believe their union with Christ before they can strive to possess a heavenly mindset. Understanding and believing rightly comes before executing rightly. You must believe right before you can live right. And so for Paul, he wants these believers, and for you, again, he wants you to uber your union. He wants you to understand it, to believe it, to execute it, to remember it. In that order, in that order, and we've seen him do this before in the book of Colossians, in in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 23, there he wanted the Colossians to understand their union so they could execute it by taking a stand against false teachers and false doctrine, and false theology. And when they understood it, they would be able to stand on truth. You can't stand on truth if you don't understand and believe. I mean, you can't stand on it if you don't understand and don't believe it. It's pointless to you. And the same point has been made here in these four verses. They and you would never live and strive to have a heavenly mindset if you don't first understand and believe who you are in Christ, your union with Christ. And there are four union in Christ truths that must be believed and that must be understood. First, you are spiritually resurrected with Christ. Believers are spiritually resurrected with Christ. That's what Paul says here in verse 1a. He says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Been raised with Christ is a reference to the spiritual resurrection that, that is given to lost people when they become Christians, when they receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's what happens to them. It's, it's been resurrected to newness of life. Newness of life. The old has gone, the new has come. A new creation in Christ is what you are as a believer. So these Colossians, they, they are no longer spiritually dead. They are, they are no longer spiritually flatlined. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is a defibrillator who regenerated the dead hearts. That's what he did. He brought life to their dead hearts. And when he did that, then they were able to come to Jesus and save in faith. And so they are now spiritually resurrected in Christ, has been spiritually raised with him. Colossians uh, chapter 2, verses 13 and 14 says, and you who were once dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. All of them. Not some of them. All of them. You don't need to go to the Greek to understand that. All means all. How by canceling the record of the debt 
that stood against us with his legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. When those nails went in Jesus' hand, that was for your sin. That's what he was nailing to the cross. Your payment. Your sin debt. So you can bear it no more. So if you have faith in Christ, you have been resurrected with him. Spiritually resurrected. That you no longer have a dead heart. You're no longer spiritually dead. You have been resurrected to Christ, in Christ to newness of life. A resurrected life. God has delivered you from the dominion of darkness. Do you believe that? He has delivered you from the dominion of darkness and transferred you to the kingdom of his beloved son. That's what he did. He delivered you and he transferred you. You didn't do it yourself. See, if you can do that yourself, you don't even need to be here. He did that for you, but for his glory. And you must understand and believe this union truth with Christ, that you have been spiritually resurrected with Jesus. You got to believe that. You got to understand that. Secondly, believers have also spiritually died with Christ. Verse 3a it says, he says, Paul said to the Colossians that you have died. And that's a reference to the fact that they have been crucified with Christ. Believers have been crucified with him. You have been crucified with him. They have been crucified with him. The old you died with Christ on that old rugged cross. That's what it means. The old you died with Christ on that old rugged cross. You have died with Christ to the power of and dominion of sin and death over you. But what does that mean, Pastor? It means they're no longer your daddy. They're no longer your master. Do you know that? That sin is no longer your master because you are in union with Christ. Death no longer controls you because of your union with Christ. That's what it means. Romans 6, 5 and 6 says, For if we have been united with him in his death, we should be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Amen to that. Because of what Jesus did, you're no longer enslaved to sin. Because of his sacrifice, sin no longer controls you. That means you no longer have to live in sin with an unrepentant heart. Now, you will struggle with it, but you don't have to live in it. Because if you're living in it, then you don't understand the power of Christ in your life. If you're living in it with an unrepentant heart, you won't. Because you're covered in the blood. You've been, you have died with Christ on that cross. It also means you have died with him to all the spiritual, religious, and worldly teachings in this world. You don't need self-made religion. You don't need man-centered religion. You don't need no self. You have died to self. But what does that mean, Pastor? Self-righteousness, dead. Self-centeredness, dead. Self-glorification, dead. Independent living from God, dead. Is what that means. 
You have died to doing things your way. You have died to saying you are in control of your own destiny. You have died to saying you make your own way. You have died to the fact that you think you're king and queen of your life, and you're not. So if we come to faith in Christ, you passing that crown to him. You making a transfer too. He transfer you into his kingdom and you transfer all your rights to him. All your glory to him. All your stuff to him. All everything you given to him. Oh, it's free, but it costs you everything. Your whole existence belong to him. But do you believe that? Do you live that way? Colossians 2, 20 and 22 says, Since with Christ you have died to the elementary spirits of the world, then why, as if you are still in the world, do you submit to such regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not eat. All according to human precepts and teachings. You see, with Christ you have died to trying to earn your own way to heaven. You have died to that. That means you don't have to do it. You have died to trying to earn God's favor. You have died trying to to, to use God's law to to earn his love. You have died to trying to build your own righteousness. He doesn't want your righteousness. He doesn't want your goodness. When he has his sons, does it need your sacrifice? Because Christ was enough. It was enough. We just don't believe it. We think we're better than we are. Christ came because you ain't ever going to measure up. Christ came because we're not good enough. He came because we're imperfect. You don't have to live in guilt all the days of your life, beating yourself up. You will if you don't understand who you are in Jesus. You live your life in shame and guilt because you don't know That Christ paid for it all. All of it is done. Paid for. Stop worrying about and obsessing over trying to be the good person, the good wife, the perfect mom, the perfect dad, the perfect citizen. They did this, 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 this. You ain't ever going to be perfect. And it's okay. It's okay. But do you live that way? Do you believe? You have been spiritually resurrected in Christ. You have spirit been spirit. You have spiritually died with Christ, and you are free. You are free. Do you live free? Or do you live as a slave? Christ says, and. John 8, 39, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. But some of you do not believe that. And because you're enslaved to everything under the sun. But they are not your Savior. They are not your God. They ain't ever going to do for you what Jesus is going to do for you. People ain't ever going to be to you what Jesus is for you. Your stuff Ain't ever going to be for you what Jesus is for you. Your reputation, your status, your recognition, your allegiances, the things you give yourself to ain't ever going to be Jesus to you. They ain't ever going to satisfy you. 
They use and abuse you. You ain't ever going to find peace until you come to Jesus. Young people, teens, kids, you ain't ever going to find peace until you come to Jesus. You can go to school, get that nice job, get that nice house, and you still ain't going to have peace until you come to Jesus. Ever. You can have fake peace. I'm talking about real peace. Until you come to faith in Jesus, you ain't ever going to be who God wants you to be. You can run, you can hide, you can be mad at mom and dad. At some point, God is working in your heart. Your heart. You got to get right with Jesus at some point in your life. Can't blame mom and dad for everything. It's you that he's after. It's you that he died for. That's what is in my notes. I guess God wanted me to say it. So, understand and believe that you have been resurrected in Jesus. You have spiritually died with Jesus. And thirdly, believers have eternal security with Jesus. Eternal security. Paul wants the Colossians to know that nothing in all creation can snatch their life out of the hands of their Savior. Nothing in all creation. They are protected, man. You are protected. Look at verse 3b. It says, your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's my favorite verse in these, these four verses. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Not in the past tense. He's saying right now, presently, your life is hidden with Christ and God. At this moment, that's your present reality. That's your present status before God. Protected. Hidden. So what does that mean? That means Jesus is your security system. That's what that means. He covers your life. He guards your life. He protects your life. The question is, is your life armed with Jesus? Well, what's the passcode, Pastor? Faith. faith. And it's good news for those of us who, who know Jesus. It's good news because Jesus don't break down. He can't be hacked. He can't break down. Life circumstances won't break him down. Your spiritual forces of evil won't break it down. People won't break it down. Broken systems won't break it down. You can't break it down. There's nothing in all creation that can break Jesus down in your life. Do you believe that? No suffering, no disappointment can snatch you out of his hands. Persecution can't snatch you out of his hands. Suffering can't snatch you out of his hands. But do you believe and live that way? Do you think it's true? 2 Corinthians 4, 8, 9 says, We are inflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. You can never lose your standing with God if you are in union with Christ. That's an amen statement. I don't know who I'm talking to. If you have faith in Jesus, you cannot lose your standing with him. Now, you may go through a time of wandering, a time of brokenness, but if you know him in faith, you have eternal security. 
Because you can't lose what you didn't work for. Salvation is a gift. If you can lose it, it wasn't a gift. So you were internal security with him. Does that bring you any type of peace? Any type of, of comfort to know that at this moment, your life is hidden with Jesus? It's safe. You're safe. Fourthly, believers have a future transformation with Christ. And this transformation happens when Christ returns. The coming glorification of believers is what this transformation is about. When we get our resurrected bodies and when we finally get to go home and be with Jesus in glory. Look at verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also would appear with him in glory. I love that too. When Christ, our life, appears, we will appear with him in glory. The second coming of Christ is going to happen. I mean, it's going down. You think people get ready for this eclipse? I can't wait till Jesus come back. We better than that. He will appear. And when he does, when he finally descends, his people will see him and his people will be like him. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. That is you. That is you. Christ is your life, and that truth should give you hope beyond the life you currently live in. It should give you hope beyond your coming death, because we all, our, our death is coming. And that should give us hope beyond the grave to know that when we cross over, there's a future transformation that awaits all believers. So that means this life is not the end of life. This life is not the end. There is still another life to come. For those who know Jesus, it's glory. A heavenly home. That's what awaits us. You have that because you're in union with Christ. Do you understand that? Do you believe it? I was sitting at Starbucks this week, having a, a coffee and writing in my journal, listening to some music. And this was my introverted Alex time. Because I'm an introvert. i got to have time when it's just me. And what does that mean? It means I don't want to deal with people. That's what it means. And so I had one of my introverted times, and I was enjoying it. Then I saw this young man walk up, and my heart was like, oh, please don't stop. Hey, you know me. I'm just real about my stuff. Please don't stop. Please don't stop. Please don't stop. And he stopped. (laughs) Asked me a question. And that question led to a 20-minute conversation. And I'm glad he stopped. Uh, I I, I enjoyed the talk. And it was one of those God-ordaining moments. And we had a great conversation. But one of the things he said, you know, struck me. He said, God is evil. God is evil. I know where that came from. His experiences has taught him that. Because his life experiences has been filled with so much pain and brokenness, sprinkled with some goodness, some happy times, but for the most part, his life experiences have been painful. And from that, it taught him that God is evil. I told him, I said, our life experiences aren't always reflective of what is actually true. 
They may say God is evil, but he's not. He's good all the time. Understanding and believing that makes all the difference in the world. And the same is true when it, when it comes to you and your union with Christ. You must understand it and believe it. Because if you don't understand that, your life experiences will dictate to you what you should believe and think about God. They will. Because life experiences are not always reflective of what is true. Now, your experiences are valid. They are real. They are painful. But they don't always reveal to you who you are in Christ. Union with Christ is always reflective of what is true about the Father and the way he sees you, the way he deals with you, the way he relates to you. You have been, you have spiritually died with Christ. You have been spiritually resurrected with Christ. You have eternal security with Christ. You have a future transformation that awaits you with Christ. That's what awaits you. You say, well, maybe I'm not experiencing all that right now, but it's still true. Even if you don't feel it. Our feelings are like this. Waves in the sea, but God's truth is always true. Regardless of what you feel and regardless of what you go through, his truth is. And when you understand and believe this in your mind and in your heart, then and only then will you strive to execute in your life. You can't live what you don't believe. You can fake it, you can pretend, but eventually the chickens come home to roost. Eventually they come home. You can only pretend to be a Christian for so long until the chickens come home. You have to understand and believe that you are in union with Christ if you have faith in him. When you understand and believe that you were executed, you were executed. And Paul wants us to execute this one thing, that is that we will strive to have a heavenly mindset. The heavenly mindset. And this heavenly mindset, it flows directly out of your union with Christ. So what is it, Pastor? Verses 1 and 2. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that that are on earth. A heavenly mindset involves two things. You seek the things that are above, and you set your mind on those things. And Paul is commanding the Colossians to continue to seek these things, aim for them, put forth an effort to have them. So what are they? The beginning of those things is is right here in verse 1, where he says, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father. See, Jesus is top dog. He's the main event. He's the main point. He is seated at the right hand of God, the exalted one. He's given the name that's above every name. Paul confesses the supremacy of Christ here. He confesses that Jesus is the GOAT, the greatest of all time in every way and everything. And, and believers, you cannot seek the things that are above and set your mind on those things without a submission and surrender to the Lordship of Christ. The Lordship of Christ is the beginning of you having a heavenly mindset. Submitting to that. And Paul already hinted at this in, in, in chapter 2, verse 5, where he says, you receive Christ as Lord, so walk in him. So he's saying, walk in his lordship over your life. Christians with a heavenly mindset continue to seek Jesus Lord and Savior. This is you surrendering, submitting, and depending on Jesus. That's what that means. 
Do you do that? Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father. He doesn't have room for you in that seat. Nor will he make room for you in that seat. You say, well, I thought Jesus was gracious, gracious and mercy. Oh, but he's not going to give you his glory. He ain't going to share that with you. He ain't going to share it with me. You're not getting that. You don't need that seat. So it means Jesus is the boss of everything, including you. Your whole self, as I said, belongs to him. And that is a good thing. Your place is at his feet. Do you live at his feet? Or do you live trying to be beside him in his seat of glory? Or you live in this place of dependency, a place of rest, a place of trust? Or do you think you deserve a seat of glory? Or do you live independently of him thinking you just need a little bit of Jesus? So you come to church to get your Jesus fix. How do you live? Are you beneath his feet? Saying, Lord, I have nothing apart from you. I have nothing apart from you. I can't be the spouse I need to be apart from you. I can't be the sibling I need to be apart from you. I can't be the parent I need to be apart from you. I can't be a neighbor to my neighbor apart from you. How much of Jesus do you really think you need? Think about that. Do you need a lot of him? Oh, you just need a little bit just to get you over. Some of us, because we're so successful, because we're so talented, because we have a lot of material things, we think we need just a little bit of Jesus. Now, these other folks who don't have all these things, they need a lot of Jesus. You need Jesus more than them, probably. Because you don't see your need. You think you have no need. Don't let success blind you your need of Christ. Don't let your fancy houses and cars, whatever you have, whatever you give your life to, don't let it deceive you and think you need a little bit of Jesus. You need a lot of him. A lot of him. And so bending the knee to his lordship is the beginning of you seeking the things that are above. It's the beginning of you having a heavenly mindset. Because a heavenly mindset is you thinking like Jesus. It's you Believing like Jesus is you valuing what Jesus values. It's loving what Jesus loves, and it's loving who Jesus loves. So what you say, Pastor, means if you don't love people, then you ain't got a heavenly mindset is what that means. If you quit to judge people, you don't have a heavenly mindset. Because guess what? Jesus doesn't do that to you. He doesn't do that to you. Set your mind on things that are above also is a part of having a heavenly mindset. And that means all your attention and all the affections of your heart should be oriented towards Christ. What has your affections? Because where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. What has your heart? Or who has your heart? What do you give your heart to? Set your mind on things that are above and not on things of the world. That's for Christians as we live in this world. Things compete for our affections. Things compete for our attention, for our time, for our loyalty. And sometimes it's the blessings that Christ gives that pull us away from him more than the other things that we give our life to. So you must 
Give your heart to him, your attention to him, your affections to him. That is you living and believing that Christ is all you have, Christ is all you need, Christ is all you got at the end of the day. That's what it means. You must make it a priority to think heavenly about life. Storing up treasures in heaven and not on earth. Setting your mind firmly on the things of God. This means you strive to live out a biblical worldview. That's what it means. That's what that means. Setting your mind on things above means you're trying to live life according to God's truth. According to the gospel. Not according to politics. Not according to social movements. But according to God's word. For some of us that simply means just love people. If you can love people, then you're doing what God wants you to do. That's what it means. You see people in life, circumstances, and justice, and suffering through the eyes of Christ, not through any other eyes. Do you see life through the eyes of Jesus? Or do you see it through other eyes? Having a heavenly mindset, setting your mind on the things of above, means you see life the way Christ sees life. See people the way Jesus sees people. Philippians 4, 8, 9 says, Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence among you, set your mind on these things. Think about these things. So strive to have a heavenly mindset. Set your mind on the things of above. You must over your union with Christ. Understand it. Believe it. Execute it. Remember. So what are they? You have been spiritually resurrected in Jesus. You have spiritually died with Jesus. You have uh, internal security with Jesus. And you have a future transformation that awaits you with Jesus. And when you understand those things, you can surrender all to him. You won't surrender things to a God you don't understand and believe in. All to Jesus you can surrender. All to him you can freely give. You can ever love him and trust him. And in his daily presence live when you understand and believe your union with Christ. I want us to spend a few moments before patience comes up asking the Holy Spirit to help us to believe and understand the things I just talked about. Don't, don't leave here saying, man, that was a good sermon, but Forget it when you start eating lunch. Ask the Holy Spirit to change you, to minister to you, to prepare your hearts for the week ahead. Then I close our time in prayer. song in my my Spotify list that says, aren't you glad God doesn't give you what you deserve? Yes. Praise the Lord, I am glad that you don't give us what we deserve. But I'm grateful for your unmerited favor. We all should be grateful for that grace, for that mercy. 
We should be grateful and thankful that we are in union with Christ. And that means something in the here and now, not just for the life to come, but at this moment, it means something. And I pray that you would build us up. Give us the understanding that we believe. Help us to believe. Help our unbelief. And help us to live out that truth. It will be a struggle. But thank you for the Holy Spirit that lives in us. And I pray that he will go with us and before us as we head back out into this world to live one more week, to live as a people of God one more week. May we go out in confidence knowing that Jesus will be Emmanuel with us no matter what we go through. It is in your name that I pray, Lord. Amen. Please stand as we close our service.